Good morning. Uh, this morning we're going to look at um, a passage in Luke chapter 17. It's a fairly straightforward, fairly small, fairly short story, um, but it's a beautiful story, and I think it will uh, hopefully um, speak to us this morning and hit our hearts right where they need to be hit. So uh, will you please pray with me, and then we're going to read God's word. Father, we uh, believe and trust that you have words for us this morning, that you actually want to speak to us, every single person here, right where we are. So we ask you, Lord, will you do that? Will you give us ears to hear? And will you speak the words that need to be heard by each person in their context, their time and place in life, what they're experiencing. Lord, will you meet us now by your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. And it came about while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem that he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And it came about that as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back and glorifying God with a loud voice, he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. In the preceding uh, chapters in the book of Luke, you have story after story that begins to reveal the character of God. They're pictures and they're parables. And you see a God who is seeking after his lost people. You see the character of God as being interested and desiring to reach out to his lost children, his treasures. And here, Jesus encounters 10 of those treasures who are lost and suffering, and they call out to him. So he goes into this village, the 10 men with leprosy, they have to stand at a distance from him because with their leprosy, they can't get close. And so they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They have obviously heard of Jesus' ministry. They've heard of his powers and the miracles that he's been performing. And this chorus that echoed around Jesus throughout the Gospels comes up. Think about how often Jesus heard these words. Master, have mercy on us. Whether it was ten lepers whether it was blind people, whether it was deaf and mute, whether it was the father of a son who had seizures, whether it was the mother of a child who was demon-possessed, Jesus, have mercy on us. And in every single instance, Jesus responds with compassion. In every single instance, he meets the suffering where it's at, and he has compassion on those who cry out for mercy. 
When he saw them, he says to them, he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. It's so simple, right? Go, show yourselves to the priest. That's what they would have done after they were healed. But Jesus wants them to do something. He wants them to act. So he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. When they get to the priest, the priest would verify that they'd been healed, um, would probably uh, want them to offer sacrifice, and then they would be reinstituted back into their community. Scripture says, very simply, as they were going, they were cleansed. And this is what the God who seeks lost people, this is what the God who seeks lost people as his treasures does when he encounters them crying out to him for mercy. Well, of the ten, we find that there's different reactions uh, among the group. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and fell on his feet, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. Well, think about the, the beauty and the, the um, sort of uh, disconnect here. They turn and they're going towards the priests. And as they're walking towards the priests, all 10 of them are healed of their leprosy. All 10 of them have received the mercy and the grace of God. Nine of them keep going. But one of them stops, realizes what's happened. And instead of walking forward, turns around and goes back. And he can't help but glorify God at the top of his voice. Now remember, for a person with leprosy, what they were usually screaming at their top of their voice, you know what it was? Unclean, unclean. If you walked around other people, you had to scream, unclean, unclean, so that you wouldn't infect anybody else. And now, what this one man is screaming is not unclean, but he's screaming, glory be to God, glory be to God, glory be to God. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. And whereas he couldn't have come close before to ask Jesus to heal him and to have mercy on him, now he gets right up to him and falls at his feet and worships and gives thanks because he recognizes that God has worked through Jesus to do a miracle in his life. Now Jesus does this uh, fairly often. He uses someone that's unexpected to highlight the proper response to God's mercy. Oftentimes, it's a Samaritan. And here we have another Samaritan, someone who would have been considered a lesser person, has the right response to God's grace and God's mercy. And then Jesus responds. He says, were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up, go. Your faith has made you well. Ten were cleansed, only one actually had eyes to see. His faith in Christ makes him truly well. He's healed in body, but he's also blessed by Jesus. And in this very short story, we have a lovely picture of life as a follower of God. We bring our deepest need to him, and we bring our deepest gratitude to him. We call out for mercy, and we glorify God for his compassion. Now, there, there are other things in the passage worth exploring. How 10 experienced God's mercy, but only one experienced the full benefit of it, right? And that's because he moved from receiving the gift to having faith in the one who gave the gift. But the center of the story is a child of God 
bringing his need and his praise to God. And I have been reflecting on this for a while. I've been thinking about this passage. And what I am seeing in our world, what I'm seeing in the people around me, is one of the greatest roadblocks to this kind of living is one question. It's a question that I've heard more recently than, than I have in a long time, and it's this. How could God allow such suffering in the world? It's at the heart of many people deconstructing their faith, and I think it's one of the prime questions that keeps us from being willing to bring our deepest needs to God and our deepest praise to God. Because I think kind of subconsciously sitting in the depths of our hearts is this question. God allows deep suffering and evil in the world. Why would I bring him my broken heart if he allows it in the first place? Does that resonate? Maybe. I've heard it and, and I understand it and I don't want to be glib about it, but that question, I think, requires a suggestion. And I make this suggestion uh, to all of us and very much to myself as well. I'd like to suggest that when it comes to that question, why would a good God allow so much suffering in the world? I think that often what is at issue is not really a problem with God but a problem with the depth and the scope of sin. Let me unpeel that a little bit. I think that people are and should be angry at the devastation and the pain and the evil that suffering and sin bring. We are helpless, saddened, furious at the damage and pain caused by disease that wrecks human bodies, by evil perpetrated by people, both of which are the results of sin. But it's easy to misplace that anger. Okay, I showed you Batty, right? Um, just last week, Batty started peeing blood. And of course, you have the internet, so I, started, I looked up what happens, like what's going wrong when your dog is peeing blood. Um, and there are things that are not a big deal, like a UTI, but then there are things that are really bad. And the really bad things made me really nervous because I really love that dog. She is my friend. She sleeps on my neck and she cuddles with me and she just wants to be with me all the time and she likes me way more than any person should. Um, truly uh, unconditional love from that animal. But um, I wanted to be angry that she was peeing blood and that she was suffering, and I knew she was hurting because I could see it when she was peeing. And I wanted to be angry, and I wanted to have a target for my blame. And I think that is a thing that's very true about anger. Anger wants a target, and it usually wants a concrete one. Think about, maybe you guys don't do this, when I hurt myself, I want to punch a door. Because <laughs> I want a target for my anger. I want a target. I had that moment with Batty of being angry that God would allow her to suffer and would possibly be in the process of letting her die. And then I thought of this leper 
who instead of being angry at God for his leprosy, called out for mercy. And I realized, in all honesty, I was not mad at God even in the slightest. I was absolutely helplessly furious at the reality of sin in the world and how devastating it is. You see that? Friends, sin is absolutely devastating. God tells us in Genesis 3 that with sin, death would come into the world. Paul tells us that the creation is subject to frustration and in bondage to decay. But let's be really, really clear. The pain and the suffering in the world is because we make it so. Sinful people do sinful things with heartbreaking results, all in a world itself that is in bondage to decay because of the curse of sin. Lewis talks about us. He says, after the fall, man is now a horror to God and to himself and a creature ill-adapted to the universe, not because God made him so, but because he has made himself so by the abuse of his free will. Sin is devastating, and I think sometimes we forget that. But when we're tempted to be angry at God because of it, I think we have to remember God's attitude towards evil and suffering and sin. How do we do that? How do we know God's attitude? We look at Jesus. Jesus, God made flesh so that we could see and understand the character and the heart, the emotion of God. He's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So when we see Jesus' attitude to suffering and evil in the world, we see and we know God's attitude to suffering and evil in the world. And what does he do? At every turn, for the blind, the lepers, the paralytics, the withered hands, the deaf, the mute, the demon-possessed, the dead, mercy. His response is mercy. Every single time he encounters suffering, his response is mercy. That is how God views the suffering that we experience as a result of sin. So I encourage you, if you're ever tempted to blame God or to distance God because he allows the results of sin that are in the world because of what we have chosen to do by our free will and the depth of the evil and suffering that comes. Don't blame him. Rightly place your anger at sin itself and the results of sin, but then turn to him and cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy. And sometimes mercy waits Sometimes mercy doesn't come immediately, but always, at all times, you can look to the cross, to the purest example of God's mercy, where we didn't have to cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. Instead, he cried out, Lord, they do not know what they are doing, dying for us in our place so that we wouldn't have to suffer the full effects of sin. Let's not get confused and let's live and look back and join the leper right? Don't be afraid to bring your deepest needs before the God who has mercy. Don't be afraid to cry out, Lord Jesus, Master, please have mercy, knowing that his attitude to your suffering 
mercy, compassion, and grace. And you will have hearts of gratitude. You will be those people who will look with eyes to see at what God has done, at the mercy that he's extended, and fall at his feet, glorifying him. Amen? Thanks for asking. It was a UTI. She's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So I get to glorify God for that. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Let's pray. Father God, your mercy uh, is extended to us um, in ways that are boundless and miraculous um, and that are also just very relevant and very real. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, the mercy that you've extended to us on the cross. Help us to have hearts, Lord, who are not afraid to cry out to you uh, when we have deep need. And let us have hearts that are reminded and remember to turn to you in glory when we receive compassion. Lord, we give you praise and thanks in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.